God is so good. God is so good. Isn't he? Yes. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Let's just say that together this morning. The joy of the Lord. One more time. All right, now I'm going to say it with you one more time. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. <laughs> oh, Timothy, that was amazing. <laughs> get up here and laugh, get up here and cry, stutter, stumble. That was awesome. <laughs> and I don't mean just him. I mean, it happens to me all the time. I'd love to see it when it happens to somebody else, though. I can remember, Rod Short, are you in here? Just went out. I can remember Rod getting up one time to do mid-service, and he ended up stepping up here, getting so drunk that he could hardly get the words out. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, crazy stuff, crazy stuff. God is so good. And his manifestations, sometimes we have a hard time understanding, but they're incredible. And so fun to experience the manifestations of Jesus when he shows up, shows off a little bit. This morning, I want to do something really different. I, 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 I think I caught it, Tim. I, I, I. <laughs> um, I want to share with you a little bit of some... Uh, a little bit of negative. You know, there are, there are two kingdoms at work and at war. You know, the advance of the enemy, trying Satan, trying to establish and move, um, take territory. And the kingdom of God who is taking territory, who has all authority over the enemy. But I just want to share with you some statistics. I, I did a little, which I don't do a lot of, but I did a little statistic research here. And do uh, you remember like five, six years ago where there was a lot of research going on in, about health, about our lives and our, our health? And I remember sitting in a barbershop one time or, and reading that it probably in the next 10 to 15 years, probably within my lifetime, was not going to be unreasonable to expect people to live to 120 years old. 125 because of, of, of the advances, medical advances, and the research that was happening that was taking place. And it was like, wow, wow, incredible breakthroughs. And, you know, life expectancy is getting longer and longer and longer. But in the last three years, there's been a steady decline now in the life expectancy. It's like, what? What happened to this? We're going to live to be 125 or 140 years old. It's like a steady decline. So I did some digging into it. Like, why are we seeing a decline in the life expectancy when we still have these incredible breakthroughs that, man, there's still a lot of science going on. There's still a lot of medicine. And they're discovering new cures. And what is it? And we have just experienced <clears throat> the greatest decline since the stretch between 1915 and 1918, which there was World War I and the Spanish flu pandemic, which killed millions of people. It's like, why? Why? Well, in the last three years, what I dug into and found that there's definitely three significant factors. One of them is drug overdoses. 70,000 drug overdoses in uh, 2018. 70,000 drug overdoses. 50,000 of those drug overdoses, that, that, I mean, that were death, cause of death, 70,000 drug overdoses. 50,000 of those were opioid, where opioids were involved which is predominantly prescription. So somebody got their hands on those, at least, by prescription. 70,000 deaths, 50,000 opioids. 
the drug overdose rose 72% within the last decade. The last 10 years, drug overdose deaths have risen 72%. The opioid from 2016 to 2017, in a one-year period alone, increased 30%. Staggering statistics, aren't they? Any reason, I mean, it's like no wonder we're seeing the expectation of life, the average life, being diminished because of what's happening to the averages, happening so much even to younger people now. It's not like we're, that it's all of the old people dying off. It's a lot of younger people, which brings the average down. That was number one. Number two that I found, there's been... In, in the last 10 years, an incredible increase in liver disease. Like liver disease. What, what, what's the biggest cause of liver disease? In men 25 to 34 years old, it has increased at the rate of 8% per year over the last 10 years. Liver disease, causing death from liver disease. In women, though, check this out. I would think men would be, I would expect it, men. Women, 11% per year. Whoa. Does that shock you a little bit? Well, it did me. I, I'm, I'm used to seeing men doing it. And the primary causes. We'll talk about primary causes now. Alcohol. Cirrhosis. Alcohol. Obesity. And genetics. There are some genetic causes for liver failure. Predominantly alcohol and obesity. You know, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We need to take care of this temple. Suicide. Suicide has increased by 33% since 1999. Can you believe that? In 2017 alone, there was almost a 4% increase just in 2017 alone. It's like, my goodness, what prompts suicide? Just hopelessness. There's a hopelessness. And I looked into traffic deaths. Went like, okay, what, what about traffic? I know there are a lot of people that are, you know, that are killed out there on the highway. Traffic deaths, you know, there's only 40,000 people only, 40,000 people a year killed in traffic deaths. 28% of those traffic deaths are alcohol-related. 28% of the 40,000 alcohol-related. 17% are other drugs. So we're talking over 40%. 45% to be exact, of the traffic deaths, nearly half of them are drug or alcohol related. Now why are so many people taking drugs and drinking? Is it just that lustful fulfillment of the flesh, just to have a little bit of fun? Or is it self-medication because of hopelessness, because of fear, because of uncertainty for the future? What do you think? All the above? Yeah, I think all the above. I think a lot of times there's some experimentation that happens, and then through that experimentation, it's like, like playing with fire. If you play with fire long enough, you're going to get burned. But the experimentation brings an escape. It's something that you like, and then it turns into the escape. I need to medicate. I need that escape now. Right? Following me? Almost half the traffic deaths. So when we start looking back at, at what's happening, drug overdoses, there it turns out to be like 100,000 people a year are dying in something that has something to do with either drug or alcohol. Yuck for sure. Okay. We know 
Tim made reference to this scripture. Several of the things that Tim said are, are, are something that is going to be coming out. I'm going to develop in my sermon. I love it how the Holy Spirit works like that. He just like threads right on through the... John 10, 10 says the devil comes, the enemy comes, but to kill, steal, and destroy. Or to steal, kill, and destroy. Read it. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Hmm. So the enemy comes to kill, steal, destroy. It's like kill. Well, we've looked at the statistics of, of, of people that are dying. And one of the big reasons that, we're, that we, as an average, are not living as long, that the life expectancy is not as long as it used to be. So the devil's been pretty successful in that killing thing, wouldn't you say? And when we look at some of the reasons for it, it's been like stealing our hope, stealing the hope of young people, the hope for their future. It's like despair. When we look at suicide and the reasons for suicide is hopelessness and despair, it's like, what in the world? Why would so many young people, so much of that 33% is younger people? It's not a bunch of of older people that are struggling in their health and deciding they want to end it all. It's a whole lot of young people that are struggling with hopelessness, despair. Where is my hope? What does my future look like? Is life even worth living? And the answer that they come up with is no, it's not. The enemy has been just reasonably successful in his efforts there. Stealing, stealing, destroying, destroying our future. I think one of, the, one of the things that the devil destroys also is our creativity in making and gaining wealth. Wealth. He's stealing and destroying resources, our resources, those that we need to be productive and to live productive and abundant lives. We've got to have some money to do that, right? And our health. Jesus came that we would have life and have life to the abundance, which means we need to live a healthy life. If we're healthy, we can make it to work every day. If we can make it to work every day, we can bring a paycheck home. If our mind is healthy, we're not messing with a lot of drugs and alcohol or something. We're going to be resourceful. If we're connected to the vine, we are connected to the mind of Christ, and we're going to know what his mindset is, what his heart is, and he will direct us to creativity and to wealth. Jesus. I figured out it's the church that has the solution to today's problems. Yeah, let's yes, let's just give let's give this Jesus a hand clap. It's the church that needs to be the solution. So I have written down here, the church is the solution if the church has Jesus Christ. The church is the solution if the church has Jesus Christ. I think we should say that together. The church is the solution if the church has Jesus Christ. I remember it's been almost uh, about seven years ago that I had this Dale Davis and I had been having some, some conversations. Dale, our, one of our senior elders, he's been a board member. He's been a, a, a part of this church since way before me. I don't know how long, actually, that Dale and Diana have been a, been a part of this church, sitting in the second row right behind me there. I always know that he's got my back, literally. I'm grateful for Dale and Diana and, and the relationship that we've had, but particularly the relationship they have with Jesus. I am so grateful for that. We have that in, in common, but I remember coming and sharing with, with Dale. We were, we were struggling financially, and I've told this story more than once, but I feel like it's important to tell it again. The church in the, I say in the early years, in the late years, but the early years of my ministry, was having some financial struggles. 
So Dale and I had been having some meetings, and we, we had been talking, as well as the rest of the board members and some of the elders, but I was really beginning to stress about this, and I ended up having a, a dream vision thing. I call it a drision, and I'm gonna just not going to go into all of the details of it, but I just want you to hear part of it, uh, the, the most important part, the significant part. We've gathered in this, in this room, in this vision, and I'm seeing it, and I'm seeing the people, and, uh, and I'm sitting down, and... and and what happened is I began to speak. I ended up just falling over forward. Just, I fell under the heavy presence of God. I just felt the heavy presence of God. I fell over forward and was drawn. I didn't hit. You know, I didn't even feel any collision with the ground. I was just drawn across the floor into a presence on the other side of the room, which I knew because of experience from the past and the incredible feeling of joy that I was experiencing, that I was being drawn into the presence of God. And then I heard very clearly, and I identified it as the voice of God, Lynn, it's about my presence, not the plan. It's about the presence, not the plan. So since that time, it's like, yes, God, there is nothing more important than the presence of Jesus Christ. I mean, we can plan, and we can plan, and we can have all kinds of activities. We can do all kinds of things to try to draw and attract people and, and bring people in for a little bit. But if the presence of God is not in this place, we got nothing. We got nothing. It's about the presence, not the plan. Not about the activities, not about the programs. It's about the presence of God. That's where lives are changed. So I, it, it is our mission. When, when I was talking last week, I said, how many people want to be Jesus' disciples? And I was kind of surprised that only about half the people raised their hand. It's like, I feel like that's what, that's what we're here for, is to be disciples of Christ, to go make his kingdom known, establish his kingdom here on the earth, and to introduce people to Jesus. To introduce people to Jesus. But to introduce people to Jesus, to introduce somebody to Jesus, you need to know him. You need to have experienced him. You need to have been in his presence, shook his hand, have him hug your neck, give you a kiss on the cheek or whatever he decides to do when you're in his presence. You need to know that you have been with him and understand what that's all about. We all say, oh, I love his presence. I love his presence. What does his presence mean to you? What do you think of when you think of the presence of Jesus? Peace. Amen. Peace. What I described, I remember... Uh, I've, I've told this story before, too, about the, my friend in Mexico a couple years ago. Uh, I, I got to actually lead to the Lord and in his big office with the glass wall looking over the rest of the, of the building and the people that worked for him, praying for him and having him like fall back onto the desk and, and just having a, this, an amazing encounter with Jesus, with the presence of God, and, and talking with him afterwards and saying, so Nacho, tell me what you, what, what you experienced. What, what did you feel because I felt the powerful presence of God come and just knock him on his rear onto that desk. And uh, he said, lean. <laughs> I felt like nothing's missing. Like nothing's missing. Absolutely. That's the joy and peace of God when nothing's missing. What a great way to put it. I'm lacking nothing because I'm experiencing the presence of God right now. I feel like I'm lacking nothing right now. Hebrews 11.6 talks about, yeah. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he, God is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What is the reward? 
The reward is to be with him, to experience his presence, his joy, his peace, his power. Jesus is, that it says, recognizing that he is. He is my redeemer. He is my father. He is my healer. He is my comforter. He is my counselor. He is my life coach. He is my everything. Jesus is. Let's say it with me. Jesus is. And I love his presence. I think my job is to introduce people to Jesus, to introduce people to his presence. Now, when I'm, when I'm with my daughter, when I'm with my wife, I love to introduce people to them. I, I know them well, and, and I know the people that I'd like to introduce to them, that can connect with my daughter, that can connect with my wife, that can connect with my friends. It's like, yes, I know Jesus. I know, I know who he is. I know how he is. I know what his presence feels like and how awesome it is to be in his presence. But even more important, I know what it's like to feel his love, and I know what it's like to express my love to him and what he then reciprocates when I love on him, when I worship him. Are you with me? Yeah. Oh. So, to know him is to love him. To know him is to love him. And the more that I express that love to him, the more that he pours down on me. When you, when you buy a new car, how many people have a, how many people have a two-car garage in your house? How many people have a two-car garage in your house? Or more. How many people can park two cars in that garage? Oh, man, that's a whole lot less hands than came up in the first place. You know, when you go out and you buy yourself a brand new car, that's the second most expensive asset. It's a depreciating asset, but that's the second most expensive asset that most people have is their car. So when you make a purchase like that, when you buy yourself a new car, it only would make sense that you would have your garage cleaned out so you can park that new car in there, wouldn't it? Yet... You drive home in that new car, and it's like, oh, shoot. Ain't no room in here. I'm going to have to end up taking time to clean this stupid garage. One of these days, I'm going to do that. For now, I'm going to enjoy my new car here a little bit, but it's going to just have to sit outside because I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. It's like, ah. And then that car just kind of becomes a familiar thing, and it never gets a place in the garage. And never that place of importance where it should be. <laughs> uh, let's, let's jump to John 15, that 15, 15, 12, 13, and 14. First of all, Jesus said, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No greater love has one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Jesus says, he wants to be your friend. But, but, but. We all think of, of Jesus as a friend. When we think, we, we think of his presence and we think of Jesus as a friend. Yes, Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of yours when you have gotten to the point that you understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. 
Man, when we're growing up, I, I just think of, I'm going to use my own personal life here as, as a, as a, to, to be able to describe this. When I think of growing up, I think of, of my father, my dad. Now, my dad was the authority in my life. I loved my dad. I knew my dad loved me. And because he loved me, now, I, I didn't understand all this in the very beginning, but because he loved me, I got some swats when I didn't mind, when I wasn't following his commands and his commandments. So I had a certain fear because I knew he had authority over me. He was the authority over my life, and I may well get my rear swatted good. I don't mean just little love taps. I mean get it good if I disrespected or disobeyed him. So in growing up, I definitely had a love and respect for him, but I had a fear as well if I stepped out of line. Are you with me? Okay. As I got older, and as my father recognized, as I began to recognize that what he wanted for me is what was best for my life, as he loved on me and as he gave me more and more authority, uh, authority in, in, in a job. We started a, a business together. And as he gave me more and more money and authority and started showing me a different kind of respect that I had not really experienced from him before, I'd experienced love and correction, but not a, a respect. It was the honor was pretty much, you know, really me honoring him. But once that relationship began to change, because he saw what I was doing, that I was honoring him, that I was obeying him, he and I became best friends. My dad and I, my dad was my best friend. He was my partner, my coach, my counselor, my best friend. So we moved from me being fearful of him, still knowing that he had a great deal of authority, knowing that he was tougher or stronger, uh, <laughs> than me, knowing that it was his signature on the bottom line for all the credit that was, was in our business. I still honored him and respected him, but he respected me, and it, there was a friendship because I had earned it. Now, I think, oh, no, but it's not about works. We don't have to earn it with Jesus. And so I say, oh, what does he say? My friends are those who keep my commandments. So do we earn it? Yes. Yes. You know, just become a friend with somebody without developing a relationship, a loving relationship, one of obedience, one of respect, one of honor. So we do work towards that with Jesus. He loves us unconditionally, as a parent is supposed to love a child, unconditionally. But he honors, respects us, and becomes friends with us when we're, when we're obedient to his commandments. Does that make sense? Everybody good with that now? Anybody that disagrees, raise your hand. Okay, I'd like you to exit the building now. No. Uh, and nobody raised their hand. You see, <clears throat> Renee and I call the mayor of Caldwell a friend of ours. Uh, I have a friend in the governor's office who works in the Justice Department reviewing the laws and making recommendations to the governor's office for the laws in the state of Idaho. I have a couple of attorneys who are friends. One who just the other day did uh, uh, some research and review for me and says, oh, I said, what do I owe you? He said, oh, yeah, nothing, nothing. This, this is on the house. This is, this is a friendship thing. And I said, man, thank you, thank you. And then I received a bill in the mail the other day with his name on it. And I opened that up, and it's like, what in the world? He said he was going to do this for nothing, and all he did was just show me what he had done and then put zeros across the bottom when I smile. <laughs> Renee saw that laying on the table, and she said, I thought, what's he sending a bill for? She thought the same thing I did. It's like, oh, that's awesome. Thank you. We have some, uh, some doctor friends. Renee's really good friends with, with her doctor. They've invited us to, uh, you know, to come to their, to their cabin at Yellowstone, to so spend time with them. Have a couple other doctors who I coached their daughters. Got some, got, 
a lot of uh, really good friends. But if you come to me and say, I, I want to be, be your friend because you've got some pretty cool connections and I, wanna, I, I want to end up getting close to some of these people. It's like, mm, now you're using me. But if you want to come and hang out with me because I'm a friend of Jesus, now that's exactly what I want to be. That's what I want you to come and spend time with me so I can introduce you to my friend, my father, my comforter, my life coach, my counselor, my provider, my Jesus. And that's what he wants. That's the relationship that he wants with each one of us. It's not coming to me for great advice or great connections with bankers or the justice office of the government. It's like, no, no, no. You come to hang out with me because when we get together, we're going to talk about my friend and we're going to ask him to join us. We did a wedding Friday night and just, just, before, just before the wedding had... Uh, a couple people stepped into the office and, and, and prayed for them. And, and uh, it was Renee and Christy and I, and they could barely stand up. They were standing back against the wall. And this was just, just before a wedding. And I should read you the text. I got a text later and said, wow, that was crazy. There was such energy in that room. It's like, that wasn't energy. That was the presence of God in that room that you could hardly stand under. It was only just a few weeks ago that back in the office back there, a lady steps out and says, does, does such my office back there, do such radical things always happen in this office? It's like, <laughs> in this room. She didn't realize it was my office. She thought it was a place that radical things take place. It's like radical things do take place because my friend Jesus shows up, and when you get introduced to his presence, some radical things happen. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is healing. In his presence is peace. He says, my peace I give to you. Oh. You want that lacking nothing? I'm lacking nothing. You just need more of Jesus. To get more of Jesus. It's like you want to park that fancy car that you got so much money in, inside your garage, you got to get some junk out of there. It's a little bit of a clean out. You got to make some room. Got to make some room. Carve out some, some space so you can put your valuable things in there. Pastor Rich, could, could you come up here for, for a little bit? Now, this is a guy right here. I was just talking about Dale and, and Diane. Pastor Rich is somebody that I have a ton of respect for. He, he has my ear. He, he's the, the, the dean of the school. He teaches Bible. He's in charge of all the curriculum. He oversees all the curriculum at Valley Church that comes through here. He's uh, basically over the, the healing room, the... Lena. Inner healing. Inner healing over so many things that, that he and I need to maintain and keep a really good relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been working together now for almost seven years, right? Going on eight years. Going on eight years. And, uh, man, it's just really important that we end up spending time together, paying attention to one another, because I have great respect for Pastor Rich and the things that he has to say. He... He, uh, he speaks into my life. Well, we really need to uh, he, communion together. What? We really need to communion together. There's so many exciting things that are happening right now. I could just go on and on and on about the wonderful things that are happening here at Valley Church. Well, would you uh, share some of those things with me? I'd well, for like example, I mean, this, this, this past week, this our, our classes have been getting ready for John Harkey coming in. So I just got a, uh, excuse me, one second, oh, one okay. second. Okay. Watch Brenny Brown's YouTube TED, 
talk on vulnerability. Oh, I just got a text. I just need to finish this text. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's well, amazing. Well, as I was saying, yes, you know, we really need to commune together here because... Whoa. I, well, one of the guys that works for me just... I mean, look at later today when you ain't busy, can you give me a call, please? And I got just... Yeah, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm well, sorry. Well, as I was saying, you know, John Harkey's coming this week, and we're looking so forward to... Yeah, I'm, I'm really... No, no, no. No, I really, I can't right now. I can't right now. No, send Christy to pick that stuff up from the store. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love you too, but I, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. Somebody's trying to text me again right now. So anyway, as I was saying, you know, we're just so excited about what the Lord is doing in our life and, and how that the leadership should come together and have greater communion. And Got another one. Oh, man. Christy got her deer. She got a nice two-point buck. Yes, yeah, awesome. Wow. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. That's the third year in a row she has got her buck in the first two days. Wow, that is, that is awesome. Huh. I'll see a little Facebook post. See oh. I check the Instagram here just really quick here. Just, I'll just be, a, just be a second here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And... But, I'll catch up with him later. Uh, if we really want to establish that relationship with Jesus, we have got to create and carve out some time. We, there are so, 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 so many distractions in our lives that we have got to, got to, got to, for the things that are important, we've got to clean out, we've got to carve out. We have got to prioritize what's valuable and important to us and make some time for it. And if you're going to be introducing Jesus to people, you're going to have to spend some time to get to know him. You're going to have to have some face time. You're going to have to listen. You're going to have to pay attention. You're going to have to leave this stinking thing alone. I did another a little, little bit of research, and for 2019, as it continues to increase, the average person spends 153 minutes on social media now. Per day. 153 minutes a day on social media. That's two and a half hours. That's over two and a half hours. 60 and 60 is 120, plus 30 is 150, and then three extra minutes. Two and a half hours and three minutes. So, and we also have binge watching and it's like, man, there are so many distractions, so many things that are after our time. It's like, I'm just, I'm busy. I want to, but I'm busy. Talk about having the opportunity. You know, yesterday we... Yesterday, Renee and I had the opportunity to, uh, to sit in on to lead uh, year one, our VSSM year one class this year. And it was, it was, it was powerful. God showed up. <laughs> one of the gentlemen, I don't see him. He said, oh, I have chicken skin right now. It's like, have what? He said, got chicken skin. It's like, oh, we think of that as goosebumps. <laughs> I got chicken skin right now. Presence of God comes in. It's so, it's so interesting how when you, we, we, we carved out, we spent three hours, about three hours together yesterday, and the presence of God came. God spoke through some of the silly games we played, through some of the things that, that we did in there. But the presence of God came. He ministered. We spent time with him. I think I, I, I broke down. We don't have time for this at all. I broke down how many hours, it's like 700,000 hours that you will probably 
live unless life expectancy begins to increase again. 700,000 hours that we have to live here, this life. And what we do in those 700,000 hours is something that Renee, Christie and I have just been talking about. Making a log of your time. Log how much time you spend on this stupid thing. This is an incredible outreach tool for social media if you use it that way. But if you're just checking your Instagram and you're looking at your social status and you're looking at all of these, all of these things, you're burning, the, as the average person, two and a half hours a day. It's like, man, when I, when I started breaking down what happens in a day, what happens in a week, what's gonna, what robs those 700,000 hours that the average person has to live, it's just crazy. It's just crazy because we're not prioritizing our time. It's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and the things that you need will be added to you. Amen. Seek first. It's like, what does that mean, seek first? What does that mean, seek first? It's like giving him the first fruit of our day. We've got to give him some time during the day. Like Pastor Rich, I mean, we get a conversation started. That is so easy to get that conversation started and then get distracted. That conversation with Jesus, we want to spend time with him. He is a, my word tells me he's a jealous God. He's not going to give up on us, but he's a jealous God. He wants your time. He wants your attention. If you're going to develop that relationship with him that you can introduce others to him, you got to spend some time. That's praying. It's reading. It's listening. Now, I can tell you a lot about him, and you can look at the Bible like a history book if that's what you want to do, and you'll learn a lot about Jesus but if you don't spend that face time, you'll never get to know him. It's like, what did he say? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. See, we need to know him, and we need to be known by him. Our responsibility as members of his church, as members of his church, Remember what I read last, last week? Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell meaning the works of the devil. We will, Jesus overcame the world and he said, you are overcomers when you believe in me, when you have faith in me, we also will be overcomers. And he says, as overcomers, you, when you overcome as I overcame, you will be granted entrance to sit right at my hand at my right hand revelation to sit at my right hand as an overcomer as i overcame so is there going to be trials in our lives absolutely if we didn't have trials and tests how would we be overcomers but we are overcomers through jesus christ when we're yoked arm in arm with him when we're led and directed by him. There's another, I just, another example that I was thinking of. It's like, all right, Jesus, you are my friend. You're my friend. You are my friend. You're my father. You're my provider. I love you. I know you love me. You bless me. And you're my friend. But can I get you to just... Yeah, I can't remember your name. Yeah, but right here on the front corner. I don't remember. Ronnie, Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie, I want you to just be Jesus here for a minute. You good, you good with that? <laughs> no, I don't want you to hang on a cross or anything. I, just, I, want, I, want, I, want, I want to be yoked together, arm in arm. Now, we're just, we're traveling, we're cruising together. We're arm in arm, going together, yoked together and we can we can accomplish a lot more this way but so oftentimes it's like okay well <laughs> why don't you wait right here why don't you wait right here I got some things I need to I, I need to do I need to do and we'll just leave him standing and forget where we even left him it's like oh, oh. kind of like I did with Pastor Rich there but when I come back and say okay all right 
Come on, come on, yeah, come on. I find myself dragging you around now. Yeah, because I need you. I'm dragging you around because I need you. But what he says, well, it's not a good place to stop. What he says is my burden is light and my yoke is easy if you follow me. So when you do the leading, that means I've spent some time to get to know you. What, what you want to preach now? Next time. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, see, in order for me to understand how to follow and, and, and to hear his voice, I need to have that connection. I need to have that relationship. I need to get to know him, and he needs to know me and know that I'm listening and obedient because I have gained that place of friendship with him. Stand together. And as we stand together, would you put Matthew 13, 41 through 46 up there, Linda? See, there's a time coming, and who knows just how far in the future that will be. I think probably not all that long. But where it says the Son of Man will send out, Jesus will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. That's not us. And we'll cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then, <laughs> everybody say with me, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It's important that we prioritize what has the most value in our lives. It's like we want to be the righteous that are shining like the sun. He's brought you here today. We're gathered here together as saints of Almighty God. He sees you as a saint. He sees you perfected through the eyes of Jesus. And that's his desire and that's his plan for your life. But I'm telling you, each one of us, I mean, Christy and Renee and I are talking about this, the same thing, have got some things to, man, we got to make some room. As you make room for that new car to park in the garage so it doesn't damage the paint, we carve out some time. If you get rid of half, half of your social media time, you got plenty of time for Jesus. You get rid of a little binge watching and you got probably plenty of time for Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the love that you have for me and the love that you have for each one of us here. I thank you that you are a father that pursues his children. And all we have to do is say yes because your desire is to spend time, to have communion, to have relationship with each one of us. And all we have to do is stop, ask you to come. Now let's sit there and wait for you and wait for you. I'll just say, let's just, let's just wait for a couple minutes. Let's, let's wait for a couple minutes on him right now. I say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You are welcome in this place. We desire your presence. And we just thank you for your conviction, 
for your conviction. As you speak to the hearts of your people, you will show us how, when, and where that you would direct us as to where. We need to carve out our time. Your desire is to have relationship with your children. Our desire is to have relationship with you, and we welcome you in. We welcome you. We welcome you. Our responsibility is to make time, space, and a place for you. To honor you to love you, to respect you, and to study your word. I pray that you would give us each the grace, the strength, and the authority that we need to accomplish what you have for us and to fulfill that desire in your heart for us. We just give you praise and we say, we're ready, we're ready. We're ready. We're ready. And we think, I want more of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. And you're saying, you've already got it all. All you got to do is make more space. You got to carve out more space. It's available. It's there. It's here. You need to provide the space for it in your life. You want more of God? He needs more of you. You've got to lay down some of your stuff to get more of Him. So we lay it down, Lord. We lay it down, Lord. We lay it down, Jesus. We lay it down at the foot of your cross because we want more of you. More of you. And the only way we get more of you is to give you more of us. We thank you. We praise you, Almighty God. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We have a prayer team we'd like to invite up here. And, and if, you, if you need to pray, if you just need a little time to reconnect with him, Jesus, I need a little reconnection here. I need a little reconnection here. There's people that want to pray with you for that, specifically for that. If you need healing, there's people here to pray for your healing. And God uses these people to heal his children. So, God bless you. Have a fabulous week. Introduce somebody to Jesus this week.